the oldest story we have is something like order is susceptible to disruption by chaos and the human the, de the fundamental demand that's made on the human being is to contend with the chaos that disrupts order not to live in order and not to live in chaos but to be able to contend with the chaos that disrupts order so that's peterson and i find his message really terrifying because i'm lazy i'm very slothful so i ask myself you know this steering towards fear this seeking out uncomfortable situations this deliberate suffering this voluntary exposure to chaos it all sounds really unpleasant and painful do i really have to do it and the answer is no but tomorrow is coming and you know when chaos finds me and it will i won't be prepared i'll be soft and weak and i'll break because no matter how well ordered my life no matter how thick the walls of my castle chaos will find a way in so what is chaos so chaos is potential and it's this disruptive it's the capacity of the infinite world to disrupt your finite considerations that's another way of looking at it another way of looking at it is it's the serpent in the garden of eden and the reason that that story is set up the way it is is because it's trying to represent that there's no place that's so bounded and secure, even if it's set up by God himself, that doesn't have an agent of chaos inside it. Chaos is the catastrophe that will suddenly enter your life. Chaos is the flood that's definitely coming. Chaos is the ever-present possibility of apocalypse in your personal life, in your familial life, and in this broader social life, right? Chaos is the consequence of your finite fragility existing in a world that's beyond you. Chaos is potential. Chaos is what lies before you. Chaos is what you can call on when you need something to rescue yourself from malfunctioning order. It's a permanent element of existence. Chaos is what you don't know. Okay, so I think I understand that. Sickness, betrayal, the loss of a job, the decay of old age. These are inevitabilities. And so when the inevitable happens, when I'm blindsided by reality, I'm going to fall into the underworld. Now, I ask myself, have I avoided the underworld my whole life? Have I averted my eyes pretending it doesn't exist? Have I ever bothered to learn how to escape from the underworld? Because before I felt safe and secure. And have I actually visited the underworld ever voluntarily for short periods of time and practiced how to handle being there? And I say practice because, you know, the rules of how to handle the underworld seem straightforward. Know who you are. Tell the truth, pay attention, act. But those rules are simple. They're, they're not easy. And deliberate practice is necessary. You know, I think about the underworld a lot. That's where 
we find out what we're made of. That's where all the comforting lies I've told myself are going to be revealed as hollow. On the surface, you know, in the safe sunlit world, there's no evil, there's no death, there's no horror. It's easy to say the right things. It's easy to act properly. The surface makes no real demands of me. And so when I'm on the surface, it's easy for me to think I'm a good person. Even though at the hint of real trouble, I'd probably panic or lie or steal or betray or kill. And it's that discrepancy between the real and what I hoped was real or wanted to be real. That is part of the ordeal of the underworld. I realized that not only did I not understand reality, I didn't even understand myself. I'm not the person I thought I was back on the surface. I'm weaker, and that weakness makes me cruel or impatient or violent. You know, to be strong requires practice. Well, how do you practice? I don't have a great answer for that, but I think you have to try to imitate a role model. You have to choose your role model carefully. Practice doesn't make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. And as Peterson says, the archetypal role model is the hero. What does the hero do? He climbs the mountain using discipline. He stays connected to the world during every step. The hero voluntarily journeys into chaos, learns, and brings the knowledge back. That's not easy. That's not easy. Everything you do is bounded by ignorance. Well, you still have to operate in the world. And so what you do is you make finite plans, and then you execute plans, and then you execute strategies to to make those plans manifest themselves, and if the plans manifest themselves the way that you desired, then you regard your knowledge as sufficient. That's your definition of truth, and it's the only definition of truth that you can use because you don't have everything at hand. And when you're where what you're doing is working, that's order. And you might think, well, I should just stay there because that's a comfortable place to be. And there's a certain amount of truth to that except for one thing. If you've defined a domain of order and you stand in it and you wait, the disorder will enter all by itself because things aren't static, things change all the time and your attempt to bind yourself within a static structure is destined to fail because everything around you is in flux and the thing that you've parceled out as permanent will transform itself across time. Again, how terrifying is that? This idea that just staying in the same place takes all our energy and time and willpower. That's the Red Queen in Alice. Because everything is changing all the time. Entropy is a fundamental truth of the universe. We may not see it day to day, but everything is falling apart. I'm falling apart. I am going to die. The incidence of death is 100%. And that's 
That's a scary, terrible truth to realize. It sucks, big time. And as he says, the second order truths suck even more. If you have to run flat out to stay in the same place, that means if you're not running flat out, you're falling behind. You're increasingly vulnerable. Even if today everything seems right, tomorrow will be a little bit different, and therefore a little bit harder, a little bit less understandable. Just because something works for you now doesn't mean it's going to work for you five years from now, and so in order to remain stable, you can't be stagnant. They're not the same thing. Stability is a dynamic, not a not something static. And so, not only do you have to be where you are, but you have to be going to where you're going, and you have to be participating in both of those things actively. So, it's stability plus transformation. And, and I would say that manifests itself. You know when you're there because that manifests itself as meaningful. I think that's the good news. Doing what's right, being the hero, climbing the mountain, voluntarily confronting chaos, steering towards fear, all of those things are scary, but they also feel good. They're exciting. They're, they're invigorating, like, um, like that long climb up to the top of the roller coaster, or, or the tough part of a hike that you can only barely complete. Nature is terrifying, but it designed us to test ourselves, and to enjoy the test. I think that's why the flow state discussed by Csikszentmihalyi feels so good. Because in flow, you're being challenged just enough. You're right at this border between chaos and order. And at the border, our brain rewards us for experiencing the new the uncertain, the slightly dangerous, and it punishes us for staying safe. Okay, I think that's enough navel-gazing for one week. I'll catch you later.